You're listening to the Hard Money Podcast, hosted by the economic activist himself, founder of Rad Diversified, CEO of Tax Auction Investors, and the visionary behind the American Survivalist Project, Dutch Mendenhall. I started off in real estate not doing anything in the sense that I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. Does anybody else feel like you're starting in real estate or you've thought about starting in real estate, but you didn't really know what you're doing? Raise your hands, right? How many of you actually know what real estate is, <laughs> right? It's kind of an interesting thing, but what real estate is, it's about a couple different things. There's the, the, the more complicated things that you're gonna hear gurus and you're gonna hear thought leaders talk about and you're gonna hear them go into detail. But the reality is, is that real estate, right? It's about having the money to buy properties. It's about being able to one way, create income, create money. How many of you came this weekend because you want more money, because you wanna build wealth for yourselves? Raise your hands, right? I will be as transparent and real and ask any, answer any questions today that you wanna ask. I'm not here to sell you a product. Like there's a lot of people here, right? They have books and tapes and they have this gadget and this gadget. I, I don't give a shit about any of that. I'm a little bit different in the sense that I've built a tremendous amount of wealth, um, having as many properties, having as large a portfolio as we have, is I kind of went through different evolutions of life where I moved past that phase of life where I needed somebody to buy a product or to buy a service for us. Our people invest with us. And when they invest with us, they get great returns. We did a 36.7% return in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. This year, we're right at 35% this year already with still one more quarter to go. Our historical performance of, of our fund is about 30% per year. Now, how many of you realize that if you can buy real estate and you can buy a deal and you can make 30%, that's really incredible money. Raise your hands. Absolutely. And so while the team's getting presentation ready and stuff, I just want to take a moment, right, to say, you know, what are your questions about real estate? You've been attending classes, you've been attending courses, you've been, you've been online. How many of you feel like you're an online machine with studying real estate? Raise your hands, right? Some of you kind of hesitantly raise your hand, almost like you start to feel guilty, kind of like, a, like an addict, right? Well, think about this. When I first started in real estate, I, for the first time in my life, I started to make a little bit of money. I grew up incredibly poor, right? Both my parents were addicts. They were both dead before I was 20 years old. And I was an, you know, uh, an orphan in the sense that like, I had to figure out life on my own. And I was a college baseball player who became a college baseball coach and then, and then became a, a person who finally had a good job, right? When I was coaching baseball, it was like indentured servitude. My actual title was volunteer baseball assistant. And every major university in the, in the country has a volunteer assistant, two paid assistants, and a head coach. And so when I had a job and I finally started to make some good money, I said, what do I do with my money? And that's how I started to begin the real estate journey. And I started to study. I was up late night on a Robert Kiyosaki PBS television commercial. Did anybody else start that same way, right? And I, and I saw Robert Kiyosaki talking about rich dad and poor dad and rich this and poor this. And I said, well, I grew up poor. So can I, can I maybe learn from this guy? Can I understand? So I went to the learning annex in Los Angeles. Is anybody looking at real estate or trying to learn, learn about real estate when they had the learning annex at the Civic Center in, in Los Angeles at the Staples Center, right? And, and it's fascinating. They'd have 50, 60, 70,000 people at these events, right? And, and it was crazy because I went and then I bought one course and then I bought the next course and then I bought the next course and I bought the next course. And the next thing I knew, right? 
I was $50,000 into my learning education in order to become a real estate investor. And I was out there and I built all these plans and I built all of these ideas and I started to recruit people and I was all excited about it. And then I started working at the real estate and none of it was like the thought leaders were teaching me. None of it was like the trainers were teaching me. They said, here's how you make an offer. Here's how you talk to a seller. Here's how you talk to a buyer. And most of it was BS. And I realized that most of the people teaching weren't talking to sellers, weren't talking to buyers. They didn't have a large real estate portfolio. They hadn't built real estate in the modern era either, right? If you were taught two or three years ago how to do real estate, how many of you think that doing real estate right now is different than it was two or three years ago? Raise your hands. It's different right now. Like I said before, we have a $100 million portfolio. We buy real estate every single day. There's never a day that goes by where we have teams in five different cities making offers, doing deals. We have teams attending auctions every single month around the country. And our content is crazy. So those of you who came in late, I shared, I'm not gonna sell a course, I'm not gonna sell a class, I'm not here to do that type of thing like some of the speakers or thought leaders are. And some of them I know very well and, and respect the courses and respect the classes they have, and that can be definitely a part of your real estate journey. Where we're a little, little bit different is we give all of our education, all of our information, all of our knowledge for free. We have home study courses, we have classes, we have courses. We want people to go out and do real estate and succeed how we make money, how we profit, because people are always like, well, then why are you here? What's in, it, what's in it for you, guy, right? How many of you thought that for a second when I started saying that? Raise your hand. Go ahead, admit it, it's all right, it's okay. How we make our money is people who are making money in the world and want to passively invest. People who want to invest in a REIT. So we're a real estate investment trust, which means we had to go through a long journey to be able to even talk about it in public. We had to do our first real estate. We had to do proof of concept. We had to open our first fund through friends and family and relationships and connections and then go and make that successful. Then what we had to do is we had to go apply to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now the SEC, right? You guys have heard of them before. You know who they are, right? You guys have heard of the government before, right? There's a lot of red tape, and so we had to be audited. They had to go through our books like a fine-tooth comb. We're published on the government SEC website as a, as a company that does what we do. All of our assets are on there. All of our books are on there. All of our paperwork is on there for what we do. The reason I, I share this with you is as we talk today, I've gone through that journey of being a brand-new beginner real estate investor where I had to make my very first offers, where I had to find people to work with, and I had to find partners and where I didn't have enough money, right? Anybody ever feel like you don't have enough money to really do real estate? Raise your hands, right? You're not alone with that. And, and you get all these, these thought leaders who tell you you're going to be able to do zero money down real estate. You're going to be able to do no money down tricks, right? And that's how real estate is going to, going to make you successful and going to make you a multimillionaire. The reality is, is zero down real estate, you might as well become a realtor if you want to do zero no money down real estate. And I say that because it's a profession that makes money and you would put you in the game every single day. Most thought leaders will tell you not to become a realtor. Why would they tell you not to become a realtor? Have you guys ever heard that from a real estate thought leader before? Not to become a realtor? Why would you tell, tell you that? Well, I was recently in Florida with my wife and we're looking at, at buying a second home because that's one of our markets where we do a, do a lot of real estate. And a million dollar home, a realtor making a 5% commission, they're gonna make how much money? $50,000. How many of you be okay if in your first real estate deal you made $50,000? Raise your hands. So people that are teaching you no money down real estate, 
Do they want you to become a realtor or do they want you to buy their no money down real estate course? Say it out loud. They want you to what? Buy the course, right? And so that's why we changed our model of real estate. That's why we changed how we look at things. And that's why we decided we would give all of our education away for free. And we would share that with people from the beginning. So within our education, when you guys become a part of our tribe, which is as simple as we'll give you out a sheet of paper, you'll take a QR code. You can go directly to our websites from, from there and you can become a part of our tribe. Is that the easiest way to get education you've ever heard in your life? Right? And so in our education, we're going to teach you about wholesaling. What is wholesaling? Wholesaling is about buying a property under market and reselling it under market. That's what wholesaling is. My first wholesale deal ever in my life, right, was 38 Street Apartments in Jacksonville, Florida. It was crazy because I put the property under contract. I followed what the guru said, and then I, and I, and I studied, and I went through it, but what they said wasn't working, but I kept grinding on it, and I kept hammering on it, and finally I put this $1.4 million apartment complex under contract. The first time you put a deal under contract when you've been hustling, grinding, how many of you realize that feels really freaking good? Raise your hands, right? You ain't even made the money yet, right? You haven't even closed. You don't know what, how far it's going to go. And then we do what's called an assignment contract. So an assignment contract is a very simple downloadable form. And, and you have the, the buyer fill out the assignment contract, right, with you. And you assign the property to a buyer. And the buyer is the person buying the property from you. Now, what I realized about commercial wholesaling, right, which is one of the courses we give away for free. It's one of the educational pieces we just give to you and that has deal after deal after deal and examples of how we found them, how we negotiated them, contracts, paperwork, right? How many of you ever heard of something like that being a course that cost you a lot of money? We give it to you, right? Very different. And so I did that first one. I did the assignment contract and the assignment contract went into escrow. A lot of people don't know that. It went right into escrow. And then I kind of forgot about it because I started working at other deals and I kept grinding. And the next thing I knew I had got a $50,000 check. And I was blown away. That was my first wholesale deal ever in my life. Now, I had done some other real estate deals over my lifetime in that beginning, right? I had found really good business partners. I found really good business partners that were good at finding the deals. They were good at fixing up the properties, but they were terrible at selling the deals. And I was pretty good at selling. I was pretty good at having a network of people who had a little bit of money. I lived in Aliso Viejo, which is Orange County, and I had kind of built a good network of people. And I just kind of started sharing some of the deals that these people I had met with them and people wanted to buy them. And I ended up partnering with them, right? And that's how we ended up doing our first deals. And so in our first deal of buying, fixing, and flipping, right, we did 40 deals. And that was just mind-blowing to me because I'd never really done a real estate deal before. How many of you feel like, though, when people talk about real estate, you never have the full picture? Like, like, like in your minds, you're trying to figure it out. In your minds, you're trying to do deals. You never have the full entire picture on, on how to make money, how to build wealth with it, how to take it to the ne next level. Anybody else ever struggle with that? Raise your hands. I find that for me, because we bring in acquisition team members, right, that, that join our team, they literally do what I did, right? When I first started doing real estate, we have seven people that do that same job for us as a company where they go out and they go to auctions and we send out mailers and they answer phone calls and we do billboards and we do Google advertising and all the different things to bring in lead flow, to bring in deals. They do the job that I did where they go out and they make offers to sellers. And I talk to them just like I would talk to you right now and they never have a full view, right, of what a full real estate transaction is. It's because until you've made your first offer, 
You don't know what it's like to make an offer. And so what do you have to do? You guys say it, not me. If you've never made an offer, what do you have to do? Make an offer. Say it. Say make an offer. Make an offer. Because in real estate, so often, all of these things that are a part of the game of real estate, you don't know until you've done it. But you have to do it even if you do it poorly. If you guys are taking notes, how many about paper to take notes? I have a really important one for you to write down right now. Write this one down. Ignorance on fire makes more money than knowledge on ice. Anybody ever heard that one before? Right? You have to be on fire. You have to be passionate. It's fascinating because I see these kids who attend real estate seminars and I see these old men who attend seminars and I see, you know, women who attend seminars and I see everybody of every race, every minority, every, everything you've ever heard of in your life, right? Attend a real estate seminar, right? Because money has no what? Money has no gender. Money has no color, right? Because everybody, right, wants to make money in real estate. Am I right? And so as you go through this, you're a part of a big community of people. But the challenge is, is what do you listen to? Which information do you take in? How do you know whether to buy a course or buy a seminar or buy a training? And so that becomes, has that ever become frustrating for any of you in here? Raise your hands if that's ever been frustrating. All right. I think the guys are ready and they got the presentation ready. I'm going to just fly through this presentation extraordinarily fast because I think it would be, how many of you think it'd be more beneficial to ask someone like me questions than, than to watch some presentation. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Good. So what am I going to use? That is the clicker? Yeah, for the next big, slide. Big yeah. circle, bud. I've never used a cell phone as a clicker in my life, but we'll see, see how this goes, right? All right. Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to move. I like to walk when I talk, so I'm going to move this first row of chairs out of the way to make it easy for me. If you've never thought about why someone would do that, because it's part of my default nature, right? I go into these things as a thought leader, as an expert, like things that I just automatically become who I am. And I listen to someone like, anybody hear of Gary Vee before? You guys know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, right? A couple of you guys is, right? And anybody, you know, know who Elon Musk is? Do you know who Elon Musk is, right? You know who that is, because if you don't, you're probably not alive in the 21st century, right? Right? And so I listen to Elon Musk talk about how, you know, he goes, you know, he only sleeps six hours a night. And he's found that's his maximum, optimum amount of sleep for him to perform in life. And it's like he goes at it 18 hours a day, right? I'm a little bit different than Elon because I could never work like that. Can anybody else say that you could never work like that? Raise your hands, right? Be, be, be real, right? When I went and coached baseball at the University of San Francisco, I met a man named Greg Moore. And Greg Moore is insane with his work ethic. Hardest working man I ever met in my life. The dude would literally sleep on the couch in the office wake up at 4 a.m., work until 10, 11, even midnight, and then go to sleep for four hours and restart the next day. And so when I started coaching college baseball, I said, well, I can't beat that guy with work ethic. <laughs> and so I must figure out another way. And so certain things like control my environment became things that I started to learn, right? I control my environment. And so automatically, if the chairs make me uncomfortable, I'm going to move them because I'm controlling my environment. But in business, there's certain things I start to learn, like you never live in dysfunction. How many of you think that there's something in your life where you have a piece of dysfunction? Be honest, raise your hands, right? We all, we all do. How many of you know what dysfunction is, right? Dysfunction is something that shouldn't be there. 
that you shouldn't allow to happen, that shouldn't exist in your life. How many of you want me to be, be real and transparent as, as anybody's ever been up here speaking to you? You want me to do that? Say yes. yes. I play too many video games. <laughs> I really do. I play too many video games, right? That's kind of like my outlet, right? My kids go to bed. I spent quality time with my wife. And now I got like an hour to myself. I play video games, right? I, I wish I was like Elon Musk and I could take that hour and I could do planning for the next day. But if I don't do something like that, I go insane. Now I do all kinds of different things to improve this, right? I do salt caves and I do deprivation tanks and I do stuff to make this better. Because that six inches between your ears is the most valuable piece of software, piece of hardware, course, class, mentality you will ever have in your entire life. Nothing even comes close. Not the money in your bank account, not your relationships, not your connections. This is your most valuable thing that you have in your entire life. And so if you spend the time to improve this, other things will begin to fall into place. Other parts of the game, other parts of real estate. I remember the very first time I ever spoke at a real estate seminar in my entire life. I was doing a lot more mental coaching, a lot more life coaching and different types of things. And I had met a real estate thought leader. His name is Lou Brown. Anybody ever heard of Lou Brown? Never heard of Lou Brown? You've heard of Lou Brown? Lou Brown is one of the best thought leaders in America when it comes to real estate, in my opinion. If you ever bought a course or a class, I think he's someone amazing to buy from because he's incredible. If you didn't write down his name, you guys aren't taking the right notes. Write down Lou Brown, right? He's Mr. Yeah, baby. That'll help you remember, right? Because when he speaks, he says, yeah, baby, all the time. Everybody say, yeah, baby, once for Lou. Yeah, yeah baby. We'll have to send you. Oh, you guys got to give me a real yeah, baby. Give me a real yeah, baby on three. One, two, three. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Man, if you can't get passionate, right, about your own learning, about your own, your own journey, right? COVID is the destroyer of passion. Has anybody realized that? Any of you realize that the COVID has destroyed your your life in the sense of like, what are you going to do every single day? Are you excited? Are you aggressive? Are you moving forward with passion? Are you moving to the next piece of life? Are you moving on to the next journey? Are you moving on? You know, are you? Yes or yes? yes. yes. See, you got to commit to it though. Because you can't commit to it. Nothing else you matters. And so when I say give me a loud, yeah, baby, it's because if you live your life, right? Fully present in the moment, in the full zone, and you let go of everything else. Let go of what other people think. Let go of what other people say. Let go of how society says you should be. You let go of that and you live fully in the moment, you will accomplish anything you want to. And it's not about how many hours you can work. It's not about how much time you can put in. Do you need to put in time, work, and effort? Yes or yes? Yes. You do. But at the same time, it's not about how much. It's about the right time. It's about the right actions. So on this journey... I just want you guys to get into a place that you start to get it, that this is so important. So I was speaking with Lou and I said, Lou, if these real estate investors could just get the six inches between their ears right, they'd be successful. And Lou, I was like 26 years old, right? And Lou's, gosh, I think Lou might be closing in his maybe 60s now, right? So it's about 15 years ago. And Lou's probably like, yeah, sure, young kid. And Lou says, but why don't you share that with my audience? He goes, I'd love you to share with them about, you know, just your passion and different things. And I go up there and the guy speaking in front of me is the most entertaining speaker I'd ever seen to this day in my entire life. Everybody's on the edge of their seats and people are laughing and they're rolling, right? And I'm watching him. I'm like, I have to go speak after this guy. <laughs> I was a little bit nervous. 
the same way you're going to be when you make your first offer. You're going to be a little bit nervous. And as I'm standing there, my pants hook, right, on the door because I'm leaning against the door and they actually on the bottom part and they rip from here to here. Now I'm starting to sweat and it's starting to come down my face a little bit, right? And not, not create, but, but enough. And as I'm speaking for like the first five to 10 minutes and I'm kind of pacing back and forth, right? Cause I'm nervous. So I'm just walking the entire time back and forth. And I realized that everybody's eyes were simply just looking at my pants the entire time and nobody was hearing a word I said, right? I was like, at least I wore, and then I just pointed out, I said, at least I wore chonies today for all you guys. <laughs> Making an offer is the same thing. Doing your first deal is the same thing. It's whatever you're nervous about, whatever you're unsettled about, whatever is going on in your head, you just do it. Most of the time in lives, things you build up to be difficult, you build up to be challenging, you build up to get in your way, the faster you do them, the more the fear goes away. The quicker you do them, the easier it becomes. And so in real estate, I say speed is your friend. Write that down, speed is your friend. There are certain things that you have to have going on in real estate all the time if you're gonna be successful. You have to be deal hunting all the time. If you're going to do real estate, you would never stop deal hunting. Deal hunting can be complicated, as I said before, right? We have billboards, we have Google advertising, we have people out there canvassing, we have yellow letters going out to people, we have door hangers going out every single day. We have a $100,000 a month budget for bringing in deal flow. How many of you can't do that? Be honest, raise your hands, right? The average person can't do that, not yet. How many of you want to be able to do that though? Yeah. There's levels to this game. There's levels to this game. But at the same time, not everybody can do that. So how do you find deals? Well, let's simplify. In its simplest way, five years ago, I went to go buy my own house. And when I went to go buy my own house, my wife and I decided here's three, four communities we would go live in. That's pretty easy. How many of you think you could say that? I could choose three or four places close enough to where I live that I would be okay with buying a house or I'd be okay with doing real estate. How many of you could do that simple step? Raise your hands. You could do that simple step. The next thing was did is I created a, an Excel spreadsheet. On that Excel spreadsheet, I put every single house within those communities that was for sale. Every single one of them. And then what I did is I put the square footage, right? And I put how much it was gonna sell for and I put time on market. What that did is it gave me information. Information is king when it comes to doing real estate. When I talk about tax deeds and liens in a minute, you'll understand how this same philosophy pays off for us in the tax deed and lien, lien business. So I put that spreadsheet together. What, did I, what was I looking for? I was looking for properties that had a long time on market and property where the square footage didn't match the price correctly, where the cost per square foot was less than the market average. Then what I began to do is I began to identify the crappy realtors the ones that didn't show their houses, the ones where their time on market was longer than any other realtors, where they were just bad at their job. How many of you think really bad realtors can make really good deals for buyers? Raise your hands, right? Because what happens when someone puts their house on market and they leave it on market and a month, three months, and everybody says, well, your house should sell in a month to three months, let's say in that market, right? Now it's been on the market six months. What's the first thing that a realtor is gonna tell them to do? drop your price right now they've already created a mindset for us right as a buyer that we want 
Because if I'm going to lowball that person and they've already dropped their price, that means they're already given up on the original price they had. They've already given up that they're going to sell at maximum market. And this good real estate market everybody's talking about, they don't see it. And so they don't have the same mentality as everybody else. What do we know about social media and artificial intelligence? Whatever you decide you're into or whatever you decide you believe, they'll feed it. And so if the person now believes that the real estate market isn't as good, what are they going to be searching on Google? What are they going to be looking at in their social channels? And so now their mentality is going to start to go downhill with how they're not going to be able to do it. So now you have a property you can make an offer on. Now you have a potential deal. So when my wife and I bought, bought our home five years ago, we bought it 150,000 under market, not by being some masterful real estate superstar, by collecting information. And I didn't collect a little bit of information, right? I usually had about 200 properties running on, the, running on this spreadsheet. And I constantly monitored it. And as properties came on the market, I started to ding, right, the, the realtors that were terrible at their job. And I, and I found the good deals. These are called outliers. Write that down, outliers. In real estate, you want to find the outliers. You want to look for the outliers. You want to look for the abnormalities. As we do tax auctions, as we do tax deeds, you want to look for the outliers. You want to look for the abnormal things. For example, when people get ready to go to a tax auction, the first thing they do is they take the addresses. Once they take the addresses, they start looking where at the properties? On Google. Right? They go to Google, they look at the picture of the house, they go to Zillow, they go to the other places in order to do comps. If they're a realtor, they would use the MLS to do comps, right? And they start trying to get an idea of all the properties at an auction. What I found over the years, the prettier the property online, right, the more people bid on it. The more people bid on it is the worst deal it's going to be for you. So I've also found the uglier the picture online, the better the deal when I actually go to the tax auction. These are the difference in thinkings. When people start to look at a tax auction list, they always want to say, hey, how much is, are the taxes owed on the property? By the way, those of you who don't know what a tax auction is, it's somebody who didn't pay their taxes on their real estate property, right? They're not paying their real estate taxes. And so what happens is, is now the government, right, the county, issues a lien against their property. And if they don't cure or take care of that lien, there's one of two things that happen. It can become a tax deed from a tax auction where they foreclose on the property, or it can become a tax lien, right? And the, and the government will sell off those tax liens to the public. And then you could have to foreclose on the property yourself if you ever want to make them pay the tax lien or the tax deed. And so in this industry, there's a lot of information that you're collecting, that you're gathering. In Los Angeles, you only have one tax auction a year. How many? One. So you only get one shot to do it right if you're doing tax auctions in Los Angeles. But then you also have one in San Bernardino, one in Orange County. You have several per year, right, in one tight little area. What's amazing about the tax auctions here in California is you only have to pay a $5,000 deposit, right, in order to be able to look at all of the properties and then be able to bid on any properties that you want to bid on. And so th what I like about that is you can always get your deposit back if you don't end up doing anything with it. So I would say for your next tax auction in LA or wherever you live, right here close by, I would say do the auction. You don't necessarily have to buy the first time, but do the auction. Because how do you learn? By the first time, by doing what? Watch. By doing it, right? And if you don't do it, then you're, it's going to become this unknown to you and then it's always going to sit on the outside. So let's go ahead and get into... Rad Diversified and, and, and our Diamond Five and what's helped us 
build a $100 million portfolio, which helped us buy hundreds of properties at tax auctions and tax deeds and continue to buy properties even in the middle of a pandemic, right? And 2020, when, when a lot of investment funds, a lot of REITs were kind of grabbing their ankles and had their tail between their legs and were running, right? We decided to get aggressive. We invested in more deals. We paid all of our investors, took care of every, every single person. And we made a ton of money because of that in the middle of the pandemic. Because what I found is that when other people are shy and you get aggressive, when everybody else is being aggressive, it's time to slow down and back off a little bit. And that's just something you learn about real estate. Everybody's going to put pressure on you when it comes to real estate, but you need to make your own decisions about how you're going to do things. How someone else tells you to do real estate, right? Isn't necessarily the best way for you to do real estate. You're going to have to make that decision on what the best part of doing real estate is for you. Are you someone with a contractor who's going to do real estate very different than someone who's never been a contractor? If you've been a realtor for a long time, you're going to do real estate than someone who's never been a realtor. If you work in the mortgage industry, right? You're going to do real estate than someone who's never been in the mortgage industry. And say you've never been involved at all. You've never been a contractor, a realtor, a mortgage person. Then you're still going to do real estate a different way. And so that's a decision you're going to have to make as, as you go forward. So let's go ahead and, and jump into this. So it's not working for me, guys. Do I have to hit play? Cool. So Rad Diversified REIT is a non-traded public REIT. So that, that's what we are as a company. Your ability to raise money in real estate is pivotal to your ability to be successful in real estate. Me and my business partner, we made a, a breakthrough at one point in time. And this was huge because we grinded at real estate for years, right? We did this deal and then we did that deal. And when we had some success and we made a paycheck, we made income. When I wholesaled 40 plus deals in a year, I realized the next year though, I was going to have to wholesale another 40 deals to make the same amount of money. There was a lot of expenses in wholesaling that many deals. There were partners to pay off. There was marketing fees. There was all of these things. So, so the income I made was great, but it was just an income. How many of you are doing real estate because you want to get past an income? You want to get past having to make an income. Wealth isn't built through making an income, right? Wealth is built, write this down, it's important. Wealth is built through your assets making you money. Through your assets making you money. Look, a paycheck is great, but if your assets aren't making you money, then you're not wealthy. If there's not sources, if you don't have money that comes to you, right? Money that comes to you without you having to get up early in the morning, without you having to struggle, without you having to grind, right? without having to do that, then it's not passive and it's not wealth. But what also I'm going to say to you, right, is I was listening to one of those Gary V videos. He's a big, big popular influencer, right? And he was saying passive income doesn't exist, right? And I disagree with him because passive income exists if you create it. Now, here's where him and I would disagree. Yes, you have to do the work to create the passive income. Yes, you have to put the effort right into building the passive income. But once it's created and built and you put money into real estate, right, and you make real estate work for you, then it is, it can become passive. And so these are the things that you have to understand is that you can't just automatically create it. But if you do the work and effort, then you can create that passive income. What Rad Diversified is, 
is my students, when we used to sell programs and courses and classes, right? Those of you who are late, we're not going to sell any programs or courses or classes today. We give all of our education away. And so you become a part of our tribe. You can learn. You can grow as a real estate investor. And it's, it's pretty awesome. Now, I do this so that our investors can passively invest with us if they choose to, if they want to. Now, where Rad came from is I had all of these students that we used to take to these live in the streets trainings. We would go out and we would make offers. They would stand side by side with us. We would attend auctions. We would do deals together. We would go through the hustle and grind of the business together. How many of you think that's a pretty cool learning environment? Raise your hands. How many of you think that's a little better learning environment, right, than sitting in this room? Yeah. Right? I'm going to teach you some great stuff in this room. And I'm going to share just everything, right? I'm transparent. I'll just share my heart with you. I'll give you everything I got. But at the same time, if you're in the street and you knock on a door, there's like a tingly feeling with that. There's butterflies in the stomach when, when you knock on a door for the first time, even when they're expecting you. But if you're doing pre-foreclosures and you go out and doing auctions, they don't even know you're coming. And there's a nervousness with that. But it all comes down to you decide what that nervousness is. Is that nervousness fear and embarrassment where you walk away? Or is that nervousness, I'm going to get some? And I know that's like, like a crazy mentality, but when I walk up to a house, I said, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to change their life. I'm going to make a difference in their foreclosure situation. I'm going to give them options that no one else gives. When a bank's going to take away their house, when a county's going to take away their house, what I'm going to do in this moment is I'm going to give them options to help them restart. Because people that are in a foreclosure situation are what? They're stuck. They're stuck. And they have a difficult time unlocking themselves. They have a difficult time getting themselves over a hurdle, right? They might be stuck because of finances. They might be stuck because of addiction. They might be stuck because of a divorce. They're stuck. They're going through some type of grieving process. 90 plus percent of the time, when I see people in a foreclosure situation, it's not because they're too poor to pay the mortgage, right? That does happen. But 90% of the time, it's because they're going through some type of grief. That somebody's died in their life. They're going through, they lost a job, right? They're going through some kind of pain that they can't recover from. And so I have a lot of empathy for every foreclosure we buy. And so I want to treat them in, a, in an incredible way, right? Every foreclosure we buy, I give them an option for a way to buy the house back from us. Now, you're going to meet a lot of different things on your education journey, everyone in here. But I'll tell you, if you choose the right thing to do, you will make it. If you choose the momentary, the greedy, the in the moment thing, you will end up failing in this game. If you choose the right thing by people, you'll end up succeeding. And it's, it's very difficult when you're getting going and you're getting started. It's very easy in the middle of COVID, right, to think of different things to get people out of houses. There's an eviction moratorium. It's very easy to say, how can I get this person who's not paying rent out of the house? Or you do the right thing, which is what we did, is we put people on payment plans. We talked to them. We helped them with government assistance. We worked through them the entire process. The reason our REIT had record rents, right? In the history of our investment funds, we had the most rents we've ever collected in the middle of the pandemic because we worked with people. We did the right thing by people in the middle of the pandemic. Now, I'm also going to say that people who pay their bills pay their bills. People who don't pay their bills don't pay their bills. And people who don't pay their bills should be evicted. People who don't pay their bills should, should have a house foreclosed on because it's a contract, right? And I'll tell you right now, in your own lives, you should, be, you should have contracts with yourself, right? How many of you have like personal 
constructs, personal contracts about things and how you live your life. Raise your hands if you do, right? Who you are, how you treat people. Do you have a contract with yourself on when you're going to wake up? Contract and, you know, road rage, right? If you, how many of you have ever seen road rage in LA? Raise your hands, right? We know it exists. If you don't have a personal decision pre-made, right, on how you're going to handle road rage situations, what are you going to do in a road rage situation is you're going to fail. You're going to step out of the box of who you are and do something that you shouldn't be doing. But if you have a personal construct, it's like in a road rage, I'm going to smile and wave. Everybody smile and wave. <laughs> One of the things I've learned about in the tax auction, tax deed business, is in the worst of situations, right? If, if somebody's mad because you knocked on their door, right? If somebody's mad because you're in your neighborhood and you don't belong. If somebody's disgruntled, be, for whatever reason, I found that smiling and waving kind of puts everybody at ease even in, in the worst of neighborhoods. I mean, I do, I cut my teeth doing real estate on south side of Chicago. That was the first market I ever did real estate in. My first apartment complex was in Jacksonville, Florida. My largest two markets where we own real estate right now is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Houston, Texas. When you do tax deeds and tax liens and you do foreclosures in those markets, you are going into neighborhoods, right, where, where, where a white guy like me does not belong, right? It's not natural. But if you don't respect people, right, they won't respect you. If you respect people, they'll respect you. It's that simple. When you walk into a, a more challenged or more cultural neighborhood that's been through it, right, you respect people, they respect you. And actually smiling and wave is a sign of respect. It's a sign of acknowledgement that I'm here and, and, and I'm within your community. So let's keep, let's start rolling, right? You guys saw the, this is dead again. You got me, brother? You're my clicker? You're the best clicker I've ever seen, brother. All right, you, you can take that, right? So I feel like, you know, one of the things that helped us take it to the next level in the middle of the pandemic was I was listening to the UFC president, Dana White. Anybody know what the UFC is, right? Ultimate Fighting Challenge. You've seen people on TV and cages with boxing gloves fighting, right? Man went from 20 years ago having a business that he believed in and, and that didn't exist to, to trying to put an event together that people could stand behind and behind, to being a multi-billion dollar corporation 20 years later. 20, most billion dollar corporations aren't built in 20 years or less, they're built through generations to get there. And in the middle of the pandemic, he said, look, when other sports aren't having sporting events, when other sports are shying away and they're hiding and they're, they're going through, and, and, and when businesses who choose to make excuses in order that, that, that create failure, right? He goes, I'm gonna run all over you. I'm going to go out and succeed. I'm going to go out and make more money. And so, you know, when I say what makes Rad superior is because we did it in the middle of the worst of times. We did the real estate when nobody was doing real estate. We had to rehab houses, right, in the middle of it. And because there's a responsibility, I believe, we had. When my students were attending auctions and not doing as many deals, and they came to me and they said, Dutch, I just want to invest with you. Rather than, rather than having to go out and do all the work myself, rather than having to go and do all the deals myself, I said, I just want to invest with you. And at first I was like, I didn't want the responsibility. Then there's a point in time I said, well, I said, if they're asking for it, I think I have a responsibility. Whether I'm doing it yet or not to be able to serve them. If I'm going to teach them and train them, I'm going to show people how to do real estate and they want to do it with me. I said, sure. And that was before we had the read. It's, they would invest 50% of the money into the deal and I would invest 50% of the money into the deal and I would manage the rehab process, I would manage the acquisition, we would manage it all the way through. If you guys had a partner, right, when it comes to doing real estate, how many of you think it would be a little bit easier? Remember, how did I say I did my first deals ever? With a partner. 
was someone who would do it with me. Now, over the years, we've gone to new different levels, right? We have something called an inner circle. And so as you're a part of my tribe, you guys will learn some of these different ways to do real estate with us. And so within our inner circle, right, in the beginning, it was pay cash, right? If a property cost $200,000, they would have to put in $100,000, we would put in $100,000. Over the years, we've matured, and we pay for all the rehab. We pay for all the rehab. We get the leverage and loan against the property. And let's say on a $200,000 property, you have to put $40,000 down with, with our lenders and the way we do things. How many of you would be okay with putting in 20 and we put in 20 if we can make 50 or $60,000? Raise your hands, right? That's how we do real estate now with people. So when I figured that model out and I went from owning 10 houses myself to doing 20 to 30 deals a year to owning 400 houses in partnership, right? With other people. How many of you realize I didn't care any longer about selling books, tapes, and courses? Raise your hands, right? I just kind of let that go. And then I also had students who said, I don't have enough money, right? I don't have enough money, Dutch, to put in 20, 30, 40, $50,000 into a deal. And I said, man, that, that sucks. I want you to have enough money to do that. How many of you get that? Like when you don't have enough money, it's kind of a shitty feeling. Raise your hands, right? It, it is. It, it, it's a feeling that, that like I haven't felt in a long time, but because I grew up the way I grew up, I mean, I, there's times, we, I lived in 11 different houses before I was 18 years old, right? We moved all the time. My parents were both addicts, and anybody else here have relatives that were addicts when you grew up, right? You just don't know, like there's no stability, you just don't know, so I know what that feeling is to not have enough. And, then, and as I got abundance, I always said to myself, when, as Dutch, when you get abundance, you're going to share it. You're going to give back to people. You're going to give more, right? That's your responsibility. God put that on you. And so when we opened our REIT, that was the reason behind it was so that everyday people can invest and start making money in real estate. And most Regulation A, we're only one of 250 Regulation A companies in America, right? And we're only one of a handful of real estate companies. And most of them require a minimum of $50,000 to invest into the REIT. Ours is $1,000. How many of you think that anybody can figure out how to get $1,000, right? If you can't figure out how to get $1,000, you're just not trying. Sorry, you're just not trying. All right, let's go ahead and keep going, Leonard. Appreciate you. So go ahead and click forward, right? We'll jump in, right? So one of the things is, is, is when we built Rad Diversified, one of our first fundamental principles was figure out how to thrive during the worst of times. So what a lot of people do is they go and make money in real estate for the first time and then they go and use the money they made from the real estate, thinking that the big check that they got or the good money they made is the same amount of money they're going to make their entire lives. Until your assets, right, are making you money, you can never predict, right, your income for the rest of your life. But when your assets, right, are making you that money, you can begin to predict your income. So our fundamental philosophy is, is what kind of real estate are we going to do that is going to make money no matter what's going on in America, no matter what's going on in the country, no matter what's going on from that philosophy. It's one of the reasons for a lot of times I stay away from office space and retail. I stay away from those because those are the first things to get hit in the middle of a pandemic. They're the first things to get hit in 08 when the market crashed. What's never, right, in my lifetime, stopped being a lucrative, productive business to make money is tax deeds and tax liens. Because there's three reasons people lose properties in a tax deed or lien auction. Reason number one, addiction. The second reason, which is, which is, which is you know, a sadder one, is somebody died. 
somebody's passed away, the heirship hasn't been passed on, there are no heirs, there is no, no situation, right, where, where that's going to be. And so when, when I look at these, these reasons why people are losing their pro pro properties at tax deeds and liens, right, they're all in difficult situations. And the third one is mental illness, right? They're going through some type of real mental psychosis, real mental challenge. And I've seen that over and over. And other people come to me like, Dutch, what about divorce? I'm like, occasionally. But divorce isn't a reason you lose property for taxes, right? I mean, my property, right, is a million-dollar property in, 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 I live in the Inland Empire, Ranch Cucamonga, right? It's a million-dollar property. I pay like seven to $8,000 a year in taxes. Even if I went through the worst of the worst of the worst one way or another, I would figure out how to get seven or $8,000 unless you have an addiction, a mental illness, or unless I pass away, right? Then I can no longer figure out how to get money because I'm passed, passed away. I'm gone at that point in time. So, oh man, if you're going to do recordings, you're going to have to, right? So our profit strategy, right? And this is really important when you're thinking about your money and how your money is going to work for you. So we call this the, the compound cycle. So how many of you have heard before that, that in real estate, right, or in, or in money, right, compound interest is the eighth one of the world. Have you ever heard that before? If you've never heard of that before, understand that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world when it comes to finance and money. When your money starts to make money, and then that money starts to make money, and the compounding effect of that, it's incredible. And, and if you've never sat on a, a spreadsheet for it, like if we're going to build wealth, you guys got to start having a healthy relationship with money. If you don't have a healthy relationship with money, you're, you're going to have a difficult time building wealth. Because when you get money, you're going to have a diff difficult time keeping it. Or if you're keeping money, you're going to have a difficult time investing it because you don't want to let it go. Do we have anybody in here who's ever struggled with that? Raise your hands, right? The people laughing know, know it's them, right? Because you're a saver, right? Oh, this is a great website for you guys. Write this down, The Money Couple. The Money Couple. So the, the friends, friends of mine and, and Taylor Kovar's gentleman's name, right? They created this test for identifying your money personality type. And so, and I did a, a podcast with them. So when you're, as you're a part of our tribe, we have a bunch of podcasts with really great wealth leaders, really great entrepreneurs and successful people, right? Another good friend of mine, Bill Barnett, are you dumb enough to be rich, right? He's on one of our podcasts. And when you download that man, what he shares about residential real estate investing is, is incredible, right? I got to get Lou Brown on there though, because we were talking about him a second ago, right? So Taylor has this money test and it helps you identify your money personality. Well, as you identify your money personality, you can start working on the healthiness of, of your money relationship. So one of the most important things is called money cycles. And so your money cycles as many times as you choose to cycle. Now, the easy cycle that most people know, right, is once a year. And so if your money is going to cycle once in a, in, in a year, then, then you're going to make that interest. So let's say your money cycles and you make a 12% return for the year. Most people would say a 12% return is okay. It's a de decent return on your money. And, and, a, and, a, and a weird, right, uh, click uh, cryptocurrency world, right? People hear all kinds of things, like, oh, I invested $10,000 in crypto and I made a million dollars. Now, I've never met one of those people, but I've heard about them all the time, right? And, and, and it's funny, as, as, as I hear, I'm sure they exist. But in, in, in this world, right, if you can make a 10% re return on your money, you're doing something what I would call safe and conservative, right? All your money should be in buckets. You should have your low-risk bucket, your high-risk bucket, and your main bucket. And you can do other buckets within there, but if you don't start putting your money into different buckets, especially for you savers, right, if you don't put it, something in the high-risk bucket, you're never going to make real money. You're never going to take those next, next level 
next, next level steps. And so your money cycling though becomes important because if you can make a 10% return three times in a year and you can do something that makes you 30%, how many of you get that that's better? So one of our fundamental profit strategies is to cycle our money. And so we buy properties, we fix them, we leverage them, we rent them, right? And, and the goal is to cycle our money, right, in four to six months. And so then we take that same amount of money and then we do it a second time in the same year. And so now if I can cycle my money a second time in the same year, I've accelerated our returns. And so when I said we made a 36.7% return last year, we're over a 30% return this year already only three quarters in, right? It's because we've been able to cycle our money. It's not just about taking your money to do one deal in a, in a set. It's about taking your money to, right? Our goal, what we strive, what we like hunger for is to cycle our money three times in a year. Now, typically we're making it two times in a year. Every once in a while, everything goes perfect and everything goes right. And we do deals four months, four months, four months, which is 12, right? And we get those three cycles. And so that profit strategy has become big force. And as we gather and we build more and more assets, more and more rental income, more and more money working for us, we found that this philosophy is what allowed us to create such high returns. Go ahead, Leonard. Location, location, location. So I can't go super deep into location right now, but let me just give you a quick one. But in our content, right, when you guys download our content that we, we give you guys within our matrix for free, right? There's over 60 hours of education in there on specific topics. So location is very, very important. And so let me just give you a quick lesson on location. Number one, there's downtowns, right? In the corner of every downtown, there's what we call a green, right? Highly appreciating, highly expensive. How many think it's expensive to live in downtown LA, right? Around that downtown, there's always a shell. That shell is usually where the working class works. That's where the people who had to commute, right, into the city for the jobs, right, had to work. Now, downtown is also what we call um, a landmark, right? And so as a landmark, we have other landmarks, right? You have football stadiums, you have libraries, you have hospitals. So all of these landmarks have the same things right around it, right in it, right? You have expensive property right around that. You have a shell with less expensive property. What we like to do is figure out when do those multiple landmarks, when are their cross sections? How do they cross over? How are values changing? How are values shifting? And so if you start to monitor cities, you start to understand this. Now then you have barriers, right? Have any of you ever heard of the other side of the railroad tracks before? It's true in real estate. People don't realize that, but it's true from a valuation standpoint. There's different schools because they use railroad tracks, right? As barriers for school districts. They use it as barriers for townships. They use it as barriers for net, for, for, uh, all kinds of different things, right? City council, they use it for all types of things. And so you have rivers do the same thing. Um, you have freeways do the same thing. So these barriers, right, stop the value growth of assets and property. And so what we do is we start to map our cities and become a master of location. Now, in the history of our world, when there's been a recession, when there's been famine, and there's been things going wrong, where do people move? Into the cities. That's been the history of, of, of our world. And the pandemic world, and the technology, the internet world, where are people moving? Out of the cities. But people are choosing city by city location in a way we've never seen before in our lifetimes. They're choosing based on best place to live. Now people are always like, well, we've always experienced that in California, right? People choose here as best place to live. Really? Best place to live? Well, it's the worst air condition you're ever gonna, air, con 
area you're ever going to see in your life. How many of you have been to the ocean and swam in that ocean in, in, the last, in the last three months? Raise your hands. Really? Nobody raised their hand. You did, Earl. Good, Earl, right? It's the coldest ocean I've ever swam in in my entire life, right? And I take my kids to the, to, to the beach here, and I do think there's a lot of great parts about California. But you can find the same experience, right, in Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, for one-tenth or one-third one the price. There are places all around the United States where you can find beach life and house life for one-third the price. So why, do, why is California, right, the way it is? Because of this location, right? Because of population and how population migrates and it changes. How many of you get there's also been an exodus of Californians leaving? Have you guys seen that, right? Of entrepreneurs, of people that are more on the right side of the aisle, right, leaving, leaving California, right? My wife and I are looking at a house in Florida for a reason. Because one, there's a tax issue here, but also there's an equal rights issue here that, that is a challenge for me as a person, right? I believe, and I'll state this over and over, I believe a COVID mandate is discriminatory. I believe it discriminates against people who make a different choice. And I believe that the purpose of America was to protect people who make different choices. I mean, the very first settlers came to America, right, for religious freedom. That was the very first people who came to America, was religious freedom. And over the years, I think if you tell a kid they can't go to school, right, and people who choose different medical choices, right, can't go to school, if you tell someone they can't work, right, then, then, then that's discrimination to me. And that, that, that's my belief, and I'll, I'll share that because I get to have a little bit of a political moment, right? So let's keep on, keep on going through it, right? So I already we went through this with tax deeds and leads, and you keep going. So another thing that we did right in the middle of the pandemic is we said adapt or die. You have to adapt your business, adapt how you real estate, do real estate, adapt how you make money, right, or, or die, right? And that's how most businesses function all of the time. So we started our survivalist project as a real estate project um, and it, right when the pandemic hit. I said, what's going to be happening, right? There's going to be supply chain issues. There's going to be issues with food. There's going to be issues on the shelves. And I said, not just when the pandemic first hits, but I said a year, two years, three years down the road. How many of you realize that right now in our news, we're hearing all kinds of supply chain issues? So we started investing in income producing farms, right? And I'll share with you, right, in our content, we show you how we pulled together investors to buy income producing farms, right, based on co-beliefs, right? They shared beliefs with me. They shared beliefs that we had about potentially where society is going, right? And if you're a person of faith, right, you would know that, you know, you might feel like we're in a time of, of birthing pains, right? When it comes to revelations and those kind of things. And so, and if you're not th that type of person, that's okay, right? Because buying an income producing farm is a good business decision. And a time where other people are struggling with commodities and stuff, inflation, right, is going, going through the roof. Now, some of you start to think about, well, real estate, right? How many of you think real estate in California might be really difficult to do if you don't have a lot of money? Raise your hands, right? It might be really difficult to do. But if you could buy a farm, right, and there's farmland in, in California, right, that you can buy for $2,500, $3,000, dollars an acre. Now you could get into farmland, right, for $10,000, $30,000 and have something that produces income. How many of you like that idea? Raise your hands, right? And, and how many of you think it's easier, right, for, to pull together an investor or two or three investors where people put in five or $10,000 than it is to get investors to put in hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're a beginner and you're just getting started? Raise your hands, right? 
So this is just another one of our models that we share, share with you, show you how to do that. We've implemented. Now, we've done this on a massive scale. We own, we own thousands of acres, right? And like I said before, if you go to the SEC, you go through our stuff, you can go there and see the exact addresses, the exact properties we did. Now, what was pretty cool about this is we added in income to the properties that didn't previously exist through our survivalist project. And so that extra income, right, increased the value of our assets. What's amazing about all of this is what is the single cheapest type of property to buy at a tax deed and tax lien auction? Land, land, raw land. It's something that, that when you do the Los Angeles tax deed and tax auction, there are properties you can find on there for 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, 2,000 bucks, 5,000 bucks. It'll blow your mind. Now, you can go find a house and, and have to have a couple hundred thousand cash. And, and if you're playing in that game, it's a great game to play in too, and it's one we, pl we play in. And at the same time, I'll give you a great example. This one's gonna blow your mind. The worst miss we ever had at a tax deed and lien auction in the history of our company. Any of you know where Victorville, California is? A lot of you know where Victorville is. So we were watching auctions and I had told one of my team, I said, look, we don't really do a lot of land anymore, right? And this was several years ago, we do a lot of land now. I said, we don't do really do a lot of land anymore, so if you see any land, it's gotta be you know, kind of something special for us to take a deeper look at it. And so he just passed, right? And went through and was just doing properties and he never did his searches on land. And he comes back to me right off the act and he said, Dutch, I think wait, I screwed up. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's 150 acres right in the smack dab middle of Victorville that didn't sell at the auction. It means nobody bid on it. And the minimum bid on it was $25,000, right? That property, 30 days later, because they do what's called a resell for anything that didn't sell, 30 days later, the, the tax auction re-kicks in. So if you're gonna do tax liens and deeds, you have to look for the resells. Because what a lot of people do is they get ready for the first auction, but they actually don't ever promote a lot of times and they don't market that they're gonna do another promotion 30 days later. And so 30 days later, like I'm like, all right, we're gonna buy this land and we're, we're excited. It sold for $890,000 because we missed on it, right? But that just shows you how potentially within, within tax liens and leads, how there's potentially some really amazing land deals, amazing property deals. And so, you know, our survivalist project is something, you know, we believe in and in order for, for people to be able to learn survival skills, to be ready as a plan B should the worst of things that, you know, we can imagine happen. But at the same time, as an income producing farm, you know, we grow hay on there and we have our cattle and we have our cows, right? And it's also a great tax write-off, right? If you're an agricultural company and there's a lot of government assistance and a lot of government programs, it's kind of like being a veteran and being able to go get a house loan. Do we have any veterans in here? Raise your hand if you're a veteran. Not a single one. Well, veterans, right, don't have to put nearly as much down to buy their first home, and the government's gave them some really well-deserved, right, assistance with those kind of things. Let's keep on going, right? So we're gonna go ahead and jump forward to the very, very end, right, because I know we're getting, oh, let's, hey, you guys wanna see a couple deals? Sure. Yeah, so you can go back to the first deal. We'll go through a couple deals. So we purchased this property for 204,000. The rehab on it's 125,000. The after repair value is 425,000. The profit's $96,000 on it. Our cash buy-in was $63,000, right? So this was particular deal was one of the deals that we kept in our REIT, right? We made 150% return on this individual deal, right? Those are, that's a, those are deals that you see all day long. This next deal is a deal we did in that, remember I said we do those 50-50 partnerships, right? So we bought this deal for $21,000. Our inner circle member paid 10,500, we paid 10,500. So how many of you think you could figure out how to get $10,000 to do a deal, raise your hands, right? 
ridiculous. Go back, stay on the deal. The rehab's $120,000. I'm gonna make sure I don't accidentally step on you, huh, bro? Just trip me if I do, all right? And the rehab's $120,000. The after repair value is $189,000. The property's generating $2,200 a month at the time of, of purchase, right? And when we got it fully operational, it's actually producing about $3,000 a month in income now. We still own this five, five years later. Bought at a tax auction, a tax property. Now, this was an eyesore, right, on, on a rough neighborhood in a corner. And, and we went ahead and remodeled it, rehabbed it, fixed it opened it up, turned it into a daycare, the beautiful outside lot where the kids, kids can play and stuff, and it's producing incredible income. But those are the kind of deals I love to do, right? That was an outlier deal. Nobody was bidding at it on auction because the first floor was this old, completely destroyed office space, and the second floor was, was a dilapidated apartment, but nobody bid on it because it's one of those outliers. Remember I told you about outliers? And nobody was bidding on it, and I'm like, man, I could turn that into a daycare. I could turn it into something that people would want. Now here's crazy real estate stuff, right? This property we did all cash. We didn't do any loans or any, anything at all, but here's the reason why. I went to all of the daycares in the market and I talked to about 20 different daycares. And after I talked to 20 different daycares, I found a daycare who wanted to expand and grow. And they custom built the daycare to exactly what they wanted it to be. They put the money into the rehabbing, into the fixing, What's even crazy is they started paying us rents before the rehab was even done. That was part of my agreement with them. They started trying to sell me on their daycare and I said, well, look, if you start paying me rent today and you want to fix the property exactly the way you want it to be, I said, we're in. They must have had an abundance of cash, right? Different times, different people have an abundance of cash and they did all the rehab and paid for all the rehab themselves. How many think that's pretty cool, right? Now I have a property that I've only put $10,000 into. My partner has a property they only put $10,000 into. And we have a property that right now it says after repair value is 189,000. That was a slide that we created three years ago. Today, that property is probably worth anywhere from 250 to 300,000. Haven't pulled comps on, it, comps on it in a while because when something's producing cash for you and you don't have a ton of money into it, you just keep receiving the cash, right? My half of that's about 1,500 a month. My partner's half on that, right? Which is someone just like one of you is 1,500 a month. And they, you know, we get that every single month. They're in the middle of the pandemic, even when, even when times were tough, right? Even when daycares got closed down, they kept paying their rents. And we worked with them, right? And we said, hey, look, if you're having any challenges, just let us know. And you know, they had one month where they couldn't pay, pay, pay their rent because the stuff's going on. And rather than being a jerk or rather trying to put them in a weird situation, I said, well, how about you just add $10 a month to your rent and when it, when it pays off, it pays off. And we'll worry about it then. Because they have a five-year lease with us and I, you know, I want them to keep paying for five years, right? Take good care of people. Go ahead, Leonard. Uh, Harris Street, this is a property we closed on um, just last month. So, so I, to show you property five years ago, but I also said, don't just listen to somebody who did a deal five years ago, right? We closed on this property last month, purchase price 204, uh, purchase loan 195,800, rehab 32,600, after repair value 300,000. Our total buy-in was 30,000. Our exit strategy on this property is a flip. We're in the middle of fixing and rehabbing it right now already. Uh, potential return 60,000. So our partner puts in 15, we put in 15. They would make 30, we would make 30, you almost a double your money type of deal. So that's where our model's you know, so much different than anything else out there is just that you can find great deals like this. Now, teaching moment. 
all the stuff you're going to hear about finding deals, all the marketing techniques, all the marketing strategies, all the stuff in the world you're going to hear. My acquisitions guy found this on Zillow. It's not the most advanced, most, most you know, super technique you've ever seen. What he did is he looked at certain markets where he wanted to do real estate and he did what I shared with you guys in the very beginning, how I bought my own personal home five years ago. As he listed every single property that was for sale, he looked at stuff that, that were the square footage, right? And, and the price didn't match. And he, and he, he was able to find this deal right off of Zillow. And, and he was a new, we opened up Tampa, right? As our, as our fifth city where, we're, where we do our flipping, where we do our buy and holds, we do our rental portfolio. And so this is his third deal. And he's only been there 45 days. We haven't even kicked in marketing and advertising deals. The crazy part, not only is this his third deal in 45 days, all three deals came off of Zillow because he used that simple technique. It's fascinating how often people try to teach you all this complicated stuff to do real estate. The reality is what's complicated about real estate is do you have the money or do you not have the money? When it really comes down to you, how many of you said, if I had $5 million, I could find some deals? Raise your hands. How many of you ever said that? You're a liar if you never said that, at least once, right? You said it before, it's okay, right? Well, I do have $5 million, right? Our, our real estate investment fund is $27.5 million, right? We submit that to the SEC on November 1st, right? Our next stock price happens November 1st. Today's what, the last day of, right? October, right? So tomorrow, our stock price changes and shifts again. It does about every three to four months, depending on how long the, the accountants do to pull, pull all the data. $27.5 million, right? Like I said before, we're spending three to $400,000 a month on marketing and advertising, bringing in deal flow. And I don't say that because I'm a guy like, oh, I'm so cool. I have all this money. No, I say that because when you partner with someone like us, that's what you're getting. You're getting a different kind of partner with a different kind of soul, right? And I say different kind of soul. It's not just me, right? These guys that are here, they're all a part of my team on a Sunday, right? I didn't say, hey, you have to be here today. I said, who's coming on Sunday? I'm going, I'm going to speak, right? And I got three of my team members. I actually have two, two of the others that are here that are conscious objectors against getting a COVID test and I support them. Just like I support, right, my team that, that gets the vaccine. I'm like, good, that's what you wanted to do. I support you in that, right? I, I, that's your personal right for me. But, but they're here and they came on a Sunday. They didn't have to come. There's not a requirement for them to be here today, but because I have an amazing team, right? Our director of investor relations, Gretchen, has been with us like seven years. Our director of compliance, Dan like six years, right? My top investor uh, uh, loyalty person, right? It's been, Kenny's been with us like nine years, right? My best people have been with me a long time, but even some of my new people that haven't been with me a long time, because I have this incredible group of people where we have the same mindset, right? We have a soul, we care, right? But at the same time, doesn't take away money, doesn't take away business, right? I've had family that worked for me that I'll fire in two seconds if they don't play the game the way they need to, right? If they're, if they, if they're not respecting people, if they're not respecting the job, if they're not respecting, it doesn't make any difference to the person that's sitting next to them who's not family, right? The person who does the best work is the person I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of. But for me, I say to investors, I know what the struggle is. I know what the pain is. And so if we can open up the doors for you to be able to be an investor and to have a partner, that's what we do. That's how we're different. And so these are the kind of deals that we do with, do with you all every single day. You can keep going. Our survivalist projects, it's 22,000 acres, right? Um, I'm not going to go deeper into it right now because we're short on time, but it's cool. Like when you go to our websites and check it out and you see, like we did our last retreat at our survivalist project in, in Idaho. And so um, what we do is all people who invest with us, you're invited to retreats where you can come and learn from different wealth 
experts, not people selling stuff, people that are really wealthy, people that have a lot of money, people that might have, you know, specific surface that for taxes or other things, right? And so just keep on going, right? Here's our returns since qualification. 63.9 since the beginning, 36.7 in the, in the 2020, 36.47 in the last 12 months, right? Are we, are we getting short on time? Are you here to the timekeeper? No, you're just coming in and attending? All right, man, everybody give my hand for coming in. All right, keep on going, right? This is my business partner, Amy Vaughn, right? It's not the, my business isn't the Dutch show, right? I, I'm happy to be the one here sharing with you today as an ambassador for our company and for our business. My business is the people of my business. My partner, Amy's, you know, a ride or die business partner, right? Most incredible, powerful woman in the world right after my wife, right? I put my wife above that with her, but, but she's an incredible, powerful woman. Um, she manages our business. She runs the systems in our business. She, she's an operational machine and she's just smart and she gets it and she works her butt off and she believes in people, right? Amy and I both have adopted sons, right? We give a ton of money to Joshua House, which is for abused and neglected children, right? And it's, you know, her keeps me accountable when it comes to that sole part of our business. And I keep her accountable when it comes to that sole part of the business too, because there's times when you're doing business, you forget about the bigger game, right? You forget about the bigger picture. You forget about the why. Because if the only reason you're doing this business is money, you're gonna fail. I'm telling you right now, you can't change your life only because of money. You can, you can change some things because of money, but you can't level up. You can't go to the next steps only because of money. Because if you have a greater, greater purpose, when you go to knock on that, that, that first time, you go to knock on a door and your hands are sweaty and you're, you're nervous, if you have a why, you just knock on the door. If you don't have a why, you turn around and walk the other way. When it comes to stepping up, it's that why, it's that purpose that helps you go through, that helps you take that next step, that helps to take that next level. There has to be more to it. Let's keep on going. Alan Pan is one of our first investors, right? Alan Pan's our director of international investment, but he's actually one of our first investors. He invested with us, and a couple years later, I said, Alan, can you help us, right, with certain things that you're an expert at? One was cross-border taxation. We have a bunch of Canadians and a bunch of Chinese and a bunch of different people from around the world, Brazilians that invest with us. As our, as our investors, right? What's amazing when you become a part of our community is you're not just you. You're part of something greater. You're part of a, something that I believe is life-changing. One of the reasons I became uh, a Regulation A investment fund, which means I had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, go through endless red tape, um, you know, work with the wonderful, amazing, incredible people at the SEC, right? And always remember, if you talk about a government entity, that's how you describe them, right? Just if, from a business standpoint, right? And, but to, to get us qualified. And the reason I did that was because what I thought was a regular investor, right, can't invest, right, if they don't have a lot of money. If you're not an accredited investor, there's just not private equity funds for you to invest in. There's just not the different things. You can go invest in the stock market and play that roller coaster, but there's not the kind of thing that we are. Right. And so being one of the only one of only 250 regulation aid companies in America. Right. I can publicly advertise to non-accredited investors. I can help non-accredited investors. And so that's one of those things that this team helps me for. That's our accountants and our CPA firms. Right. I, I share those with you because when you get a copy of this presentation, when you go to our website, I'll give you guys a QR code so you can be a part of our tribe. Right. You can go to that QR code. You can look these guys up. You can get to know them, right? Because one of the things is what's people's greatest fear when they go and invest is what? Am I going to get screwed? 
right? Come on. When you invest money, when you buy, during, this, during today, I encourage you to buy something, right? Buy somebody's class, buy somebody's course. I'm not selling any courses or classes, so you can't buy anything from me. I encourage you to find something that's really good. Now, what I would say is, right, whoever's selling something, don't buy it here. What I would say is buy it once you go home and do your research. And so I share this information so you guys can do research on us, you can get, get in depth with us. And so the reason I also do this from a transparent standpoint is so that when you invest with us, if you wanna partner on a real estate deal with us, like our inner circle, or you wanna partner with this by investing in the REIT with us, right? You know everything. You know, you know who holds me accountable, right? I'm out here running, I'm a visionary, I just create, I create, I create, I create, I create, I create. If I wasn't surrounded by incredible people that are able to implement and organize and systematize and do accounting, right? And do legal work. These incredible people blow my mind. Like, I love these people up here, right? And, and a lot of these people have been with us for what feels like a lifetime, right? And, and you have every type of person you've, you've ever thought of in our life, right? I laugh, like you have someone like Caroline Gutierrez, right? Caroline runs our loan department, right? And Caroline's in her 70s, right? She, and, and I don't say that because people in their 70s can't work, but because she's one of the strongest, most progressive, right, leaders in our business. And when I hired her five or six years ago, a lot of people said, you're hiring that woman to run your loan department, but she's the smartest loan, right, person I've ever met in my life. And she's the most process-oriented, systematized person. She's also the, the call you out on your bullshit person, right? And, and Caroline runs our stuff. And, and Caroline was difficult for me to understand in the beginning because she's just so much different than me. But over the years, I realized how good she was, and I gave her more and more tools to become great. What I've realized as a business leader, if I can find great people and I can give them tools to be great, then they're going to go out and succeed, and they're going to go out and continue to succeed. How many of you in here wish you had a few more people in your lifetime, right, that believed in you, that supported you, that stood behind you, right? How many of you wish you had a few more of those people in your life? Raise your hands. I was listening to a thought leader, and, and I have different breakthrough moments, right, in life. And I'll take a moment, and I'll take a moment to say, all right, I'm going to pay attention to this one. And I had a thought leader, and he was talking about a child, right? And this child is, is someone, like one of the kids we help in Joshua House, right? Abused, neglected, you know, and, 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 and you know, told they're not any good. And, and that child grows up a little bit tougher, but it also grows up damaged, and goes through a lot of different things because there's other ways to make kids tougher. And you compare that to a child that, that people believe in, that they lift up, that they hold accountable to, that they make work hard. And you compare those two things to each other and, and it's night and day, right? What happens in those children's life? Now, can the children, child who was abused and neglected, right? Can that child still make it? Absolutely. But I'll tell you what they have to go through to make it versus the child that was believed in, that was supported, that was stood behind two completely different things, because I was the first child of the two. And, and, and I know you can make it, but I also, along the way, there was people who believed in me, people that mentored me, people that stood behind me, people that supported me. I, I was just talking with a friend of mine named Damien Zamora. He runs a mobile application company, because I want to take our business, right, onto mobile application with our, re, with our investors and, and our education, right? How many of you had the, the real estate education on an app in your phone, and you could listen to the podcast. It makes a difference, right? Make it a million times. So I'm talking to Damien about that, and Damien's one of those guys 10, 12 years ago as an entrepreneur that I met, that I looked up to, right? And, and I learned from because somebody believed in me, 
right? And, and granted, there was things I helped him with, and there was a reason we had a relationship, but at the same time, he believed in me. And I know over the years, the reason I'm here today is because there's been people along the way that believed in me, right? Amy believed in me. Alan believed in me, right? You know who my first investor out of all my investors was? My very first one? My mother-in-law, Irene. My first investor. I said, Irene, I'm going to an auction. I'm going to take $40,000. Would you like to invest too? I, saw, I went there last month. I saw all these incredible deals. I want to go buy. And she invested, invested with me too. So along that way, she believed in me. So when I look back at our relationship and how this works, is I want to take people and I want to believe in more and more people. I want to support and lift up more and more people. In today's business world, things are so much about greed and money, and they're not about causes and purposes, right? The days of purpose and cause have, have, have been convoluted, right, by the far left and the far right, right? And, and realize most of us as Americans, we just want to be happy. We want to take care of our families. We want to build a life and all that other stuff we don't really care about. And, and, and if you're somebody who's in one of those two categories, I, I love you too, but get out of one of those two categories. That's my belief. So um, the QR code, I have folders for all of you. Um, I'm going to hand them out for every single one of you. Um, go to our website on your phone. Um, I think they're in the box up here if you, one of you guys want to grab them. And, and we're going to hand them out for you. Um, take a moment right now, right? Just on the sheet of papers in front of you right now. Put it, get it back out, Arlene. Take it right now, right? And I want you to just ask two questions about this game, about real estate. Anything you want to ask. Doesn't matter what it is. You can ask me anything. I believe in complete transparency, right? Anything you want to ask. But just take about 30 seconds right now, write down two questions. Go ahead and do that while the team passes, passes out folders for us as a company. A little different, huh? Now, once you follow us and you use that QR code, right, go on our social media. And through our social media, I'm going to have the team put up a post, right? And it's just going to say LA Convention. And it'll be a little bit short blurb of this video. In that post, this is just for you in this room, right? In that post, I'm going to put a link to our education. So you guys can do the downloadable education for free so you can get access to our matrix the training and, and the wealth building and all, the, all of the different things that we've talked about. So you can get our three-day course on tax deeds and tax liens, right? And, d and just to be crystal clear, right? That tax lien and deed course we've sold for as much as $1,500. The, the, the online education stuff we've sold for $97 a month, right? So I'm giving you guys something that I think will be really helpful. When we stopped selling education, it's fascinating. Our business actually took off right? Everybody in the world would say, Dutch, don't ever stop selling education, right? It was a million dollar a year business that I just said, hey, we don't need it anymore. And, 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 and then our investors started to come more and more. We started to help more and more in people and, and, and things changed. But what I'm going to do now is those of you who wrote down the questions, um, I'm just going to let you guys know if there's a form in there. If you want to fill out your information and give it to one of our team before you leave, you're more than welcome to. But you can also just go to the website, right? And you can download the information there and fill out the information there. doesn't matter to me. Whatever's the easiest way for you to communicate with us, just do it that way. And that's good. Scott, you get the first question because you're in the front row. Okay. 
Have you, uh, have you invested into tax deeds like in declining population markets? So I've invested in tax deeds in every type of market you can think of. So what you want to do in declining population markets, right? You need to identify the factors of why the population is declining. And then you need to take a look at the real estate and say, how is real estate being affected by the declining population? Now, typically, right, in markets where there's a declining population, right, back in the day, like Detroit was a decline. Why is California's population, you know, going to decline right now, right? You have to look at those factors and then say, how is that going to affect real estate? And then take that into your, your overall assessment of numbers, right? I love doing tax deeds and liens in larger cities. Because in larger cities, everything you need exists. Every buyer exists, every renter exists, every rehabber, every contractor exists. And that's why I like doing them in, in those cities. Good. Who else has a question? Go ahead, Earl. Uh, it has to do with the example that you had up there, the house that you bought that was worth 300. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. He, he can click back to it for you. Yeah, just real quick. And so when you, when you go to the QR code too, right? Every deal that we do actually gets posted on, on the website. So you can go to them and you'll see like before and after pictures of rehabs and, and all of the different things, right? So 6710 Harris Street. So those, are, those, are, those would be the numbers right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what, on an average, what is the uh, percent that you buy it from off of uh, ARV? Yeah, so I'm typically... I mean, most people out there are... Instructors say 70%, Any instructor who's out there telling you to buy 70% off ARV is not actively doing real estate in the market. Yeah, I'm 100% sure on that. They're giving me the we got to wrap up, wrap up sign. But I'll tell you, go online, get the online education, right? Go through the details and that kind of stuff. So we're typically 20% off of market, right? And, and But we're using leverage, right, to buy the property. We're using leverage to re rehab the property, we're typically only putting in about 20% of our own money. So if we put in 20% of our own money and we're getting a 20% discount on the property, then we can make, you know, 100% cash on cash, right? Now this is going to get chewed up by closing costs and other stuff, so you'll make less. But typically our average deal, we're making a 60 to 80% return on, but we're only buying about 20% off of market. If you're looking to buy property 70% off of market value, the problem you're going to run into is you're not going to find any deals. And so you, then you live in this world that everybody's got us in, which is saying there's no deals out there. There's lots of deals out there. You're just living in, in the wrong world and using the wrong tools to acquire and buy. But thank you guys. I appreciated sharing with you. Thanks for being a part of, part of, part of our tribe and, and joining us on the journey. Those of you guys who missed it, sorry, you just came in. But Later, Facebook people. Thank you for listening to the Hard Money Podcast with Dutch Mendenhall. Don't forget to visit our website, economicactivist.com. That's www.economicactivist.com.